Welcome back to the I'm Open Podcast. Today we are going to be talking about an NBA star who should have been a priest, how Star Wars could be changing the Olympics, and why the most dangerous sporting moment of 2019 has already happened. Before we get into the show, I want to give the I'm Open family a heads up that we have the coolest, freshest, drippiest gear of any podcast, and it's now available for you. All you have to do is reach out to us on Instagram, I'm open underscore pod, to claim your very own I'm open podcast hat today. And now, the I'm open podcast. I'm open family. Our first story today takes us to beautiful Costa Rica, where we had one of the most bizarre sports stories I have ever heard. And even though it's only April, it's only barely April, I don't think I would be very shocked if we have any sports story that is crazier than this one. This whole year in 2019, this might already take the cake. Now, obviously, we here at the I'm Open podcast, we feed off of these crazy sports stories, so we're not we're not hoping that this is the last craziest one. This is just going to be really hard to top. It's going to be really hard to top. So, what was going on in Costa Rica? We had the National Motorbike Championship. If you haven't heard of it, that's okay. Neither had I. But this really caught my eye, and I could not look away. So, the National Motorbike Championship that was going on. Now, two fellows... One of them by the name of Marion Calvo and the other one by the name of Jorge Martinez were participating in the race. Now, their bikes started to kind of bump against each other. Their their motorcycles started to kind of bump against each other. Mr. Calvo, he got really upset because uh, Mr. Martinez was kind of knocking into him, knocking into him with his bikes. Now, I know uh, in NASCAR, obviously in bumper cars... In hockey, there are other sports where it's definitely accepted to bump into or a knock into other players. Some, some you're even, you know, yeah, that's what you have to do. For example, rugby, that's, that's what everyone does. Now, on motorcycles, this is obviously very uh, dangerous, to say the least. I'm not sure if they're allowed to bump. I don't really watch too many of the National Motorbike Championship competitions, so I'm not really sure if they're allowed to bump or not. Doesn't seem like they should be able to, in my mind, but I'm not sure. So anyway, here's what went down. Jorge and Marion, they were knocking, knocking, knocking against each other. So eventually, uh, Marion Calvo, he got knocked off of his bike. He got knocked right off of his bike. But he was not going to go down easy, and he's not a quitter. What he did was grab onto and around the waist of Jorge Martinez, his competitor. So, as Jorge kept driving up the track, Marion, his competitor, was hanging off of his the back of his bike, like hanging on his back. This man is a freaking daredevil. This was like a classic Jason Statham type move, or maybe Vin Diesel or something like that. It was crazy. It's like something you might see in Too Fast, Too Furious, or Six Fast, Six Furious, or I don't know how many they have at this point, but you get the point. It was a freaky daredevilish move, and he was so pissed, and he was not going to let this man get away with knocking him off his bike, so he hung on to him until he was able to finally slow down Mr. Martinez's bike. Meanwhile, while all this was going on, and while Mr. Calvo was clinging to the back of Mr. Martinez's bike, Mr. Calvo's bike, it was still going. It was still, like, running. So his bike went shooting 
straight down the track like a freaking headless horseman or so. I don't even know if that's a if that's a fitting analogy. It was an unmanned vehicle. Let's just say that, and it was just whipping down the track super fast. Nobody controlling it. There's still other people racing on the track on their bikes. Now, meanwhile, there is a motorcycle shooting down the middle of the track without a driver. But the driver Calvo, he is focused on tackling his competitor, uh, Mr. Martinez, who knocked him off of his bike. Finally, Mr. Calvo was able to pull Mr. Martinez's bike to a stop, and as soon as the bike finally did come to a stop, Mr. Calvo went up and punched Mr. Martinez straight in the face. Now, uh, you know, luckily, and I mean, that's, that's definitely part of the rule, both of these gentlemen were wearing helmets, which is very important. So when he punched him in the face, he did like knock him over. It seemed like a strong punch, but I'm sure he didn't like necessarily give him a concussion or anything crazy because, you know, he was wearing a helmet, as I said. Then it wasn't over there. It was not over there. Mr. Martinez followed after Mr. Calvo into the middle of the track, into the middle of the fucking track where everybody else, remember, this is a motorcycle race, and motorcycles, if you don't know what they are, they, you, they're, they're real, okay, motorbikes, whatever, I mean, either way, they're, they're, they're vehicles, they're machines that go really fast, and it's, you know, it's a motor vehicle, right? So we, we all, we, we're all just on the same page here. They were walking into the middle of the track, and Mr. Martinez was following Mr. Cavo to push him and try to brawl and carry on the brawl. Thank God the fight stopped there. And Mr. Calvo just walked away across the other side of the track. Yes, through oncoming traffic of more motor bicyclists. And thank God, at that point, the, the, the skirmish was done. Now, all of the other competitors, all the other folks, uh, all the other guys riding the bikes were, like, waving at them. I wish they were mic'd up so we could have heard what they were saying. I'm sure they were pretty pissed. And because you could see them waving and yelling at them, I'm sure they're like, what the fuck are you guys doing? What the hell are you guys doing? You're fighting, you're fighting, your bike is unmanned, riding through the middle of the track. You're fighting this other guy, you're knocking this other guy at the bike. We could all freaking get killed. We could, this is so dangerous. This is so dangerous. Now, as if, you know, motorcycle racing and car racing are already not dangerous enough. These sports, even if you don't touch anyone, even if you're just on your own bike, just having a slight accident or running into a wall or pulling a curve too quickly and falling off, that is still incredibly dangerous. You could sustain some some terrible, terrible injuries. And that's not enough, though. That was not enough for these two gentlemen to actually just put themselves at risk of being injured on their bike. They also decided to put themselves at at risk of being injured through brawling with each other. So like these guys really had a taste for risk and adventure, I guess. And woo! the craziest thing about this whole event was, like I mentioned before, you know, Mr. Calvo just hanging onto the back of Mr. Martinez's bike. And I'm going to do my best to try to find this in GIF form or in Instagram. So I can, I can post this out to the I'm Open family. You know, follow us, I'm Open underscore pod. Uh, and hopefully I can get this to you guys. I don't know what sort of uh, social media presence the motorbike championship has, but I really hope this video is posted somewhere, and I'll do my best to get it out to the public, but this was insane, and the fact that Mr. Calvo was able to hang onto the back to Mr. Martinez's bike for 
a solid distance coming down the track. I'm sure it was really hurting him to be scraping against the, the concrete uh, track or whatever they make, whatever the track is made out of. But the fact that he was actually able to pull the bike to a stop, it was like a crazy, like, incredible Hulk moment. But both of these gentlemen, we will not be seeing or hearing from them for a while. And that is probably for the best. Because uh, starting now, both gentlemen have received a two-year suspension. They are not allowed to participate in these motorbike races. I hope, for their sake and for the sake of other athletes, other motor athletes, that they're not allowed to participate in any sort of sporting races or events. I don't care if it's ping-pong, putt-putt, water skiing. If this guy is literally willing to hang on the back of a motorbike as it drives at full speed down the freaking track. I feel like these guys aren't really scared of anything at this point. So I would just rather not, I don't know what's going to happen. They might, I mean, I just, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. You might be playing ping pong against the guy and he might throw his paddle at your face. He might swallow the ping pong ball. I mean, you might be ice skating with him and he might start shaving the ice himself to make a little uh, snow cone. I mean, honestly, at this point, nothing would be beyond me with these guys because they've proven how fucking wild they are and how their judgment is obviously not their forte or not something they're really interested in. They're not really focused on practicing common sense. So, crazy, crazy story. I am, more than anything, I'm glad that these two gentlemen are safe that everyone is is okay after this whole craziness and that nobody came out seriously injured and also that none of the other drivers were safe who, yeah, they had to drive in a void of, of unmanned, as I previously said, just wild motorbike that was just careening, <laughs> swerving down the track without anyone driving the bike as it went full speed. So the biggest blessing in all of this was that everybody came out safe and... Obviously, I think that the right choice was made in terms of the punishment for these two gentlemen to be suspended. Two years to me even seems a little bit light. I don't know why we would expect that when they come back in a couple years, they'll be interested in in actually following the rules or not doing crazy shit. I do, I mean, in a sense, I do understand why Mr. Calvo wanted to fight Mr. Martinez because, you know... He, he tried to knock him off his bike going at full speed by bumping him. I mean, that is super dangerous. He could have killed him in that moment. He could have seriously injured him in that moment. So I understand why he was in a fighting mood and why he was super pissed at, at uh, this other, you know, competitor who was racing against him. But at the end of the day, when then your reaction is, okay, I'm going to start a brawl in the middle of this racetrack while I'm hanging off the back of this man's motorcycle, like, that's just not the best rush to judgment. I would... uh like, if you want to, f- I don't think anybody should really fight. I'm a pacifist, and I just usually think big boys use their words for the most part. That's kind of my theory on that, and that's the way I feel. But if he really, really did want to fight, then I would say at least wait till after the race is done, or wait till there's like a pause or something, so you're not literally fighting on the track with other, you know, high speed motor vehicles swerving around uh, back and forth. But, you know, just to be safe, let's just say no fights, and then that'll probably just, uh, you know, I just think generally people are safer when there's not fights. So let's always just try to stick to that goal and stick to that uh, focus as much as we can. And I think we'll all be happier and um, just, you know, we'll, we won't be putting ourselves at risk. So um, 
now I was introduced to the National Motorbike Championship through this. I hope they have some other story that comes up that's really exciting so I don't have to just have a smudge on their character. I'm not trying to say this is a joke of a of a competition. I'm not trying to say everybody's, you know, scandalous or nefarious or whatever who participates. I'm sure there's a lot of nice guys. And I really hope they come out with a story or something that happens that makes me, you know, that I can speak positively on them and shine a, shine a positive light on what they're doing uh, that doesn't involve people, uh, you know, fighting in the middle of uh, traffic. As I've mentioned time and time again, here on I'm Open Podcast, I don't think fighting is a good idea. I think big boys and big girls are able to use their words, explain how they feel, and you know, that's usually a better way to work problems out. That's usually a better way to find a solution. But if you are going to fight, there's one type of fighting that I guess I'm okay with, and that would be lightsaber fighting. I, no, I'm not talking about Star Wars. I mean, I am sort of talking about Star Wars, but I'm also talking about real life. Now, I'm look. I'm not saying that Star Wars isn't real. Uh, to all my Star Wars heads out there, who I, I I'm not trying to say it's not real. To all my Jedi's out there, like Star Wars is cool. Props to you guys. Like what you like. Everyone have your own, you know, passions. That's dope. But I'm actually talking about real lightsaber fighting, not in movies, but in actual real society as a sport. And that's what's going on right now. Because the French Fencing Federation has officially recognized lightsaber dueling as a sport. Yes, you heard me correct. Starting now, lightsaber battling, lightsaber dueling is a sport acknowledged by the French Fencing Federation. In the French, they, they take their fencing seriously as they take many things seriously, including themselves. So, we know, like, if, this, if they're the first ones who accept this, this, there's a good chance this is going to spread. And I'm excited for it. I'm here for it, okay? There's other, there's other forms of fencing that already exist, we're talking about, and that are... Uh, part of the Olympics that people can compete for medals in the Olympics. Those are Epe, Foil, and Saber. And now France has officially recognized the fourth one, which is Lightsaber. So we did already have Saber, so just add a light to it and bingo, here we are. Now, it's not coming to the Olympics yet, but we can all hope and we can all dream that someday soon we will have Lightsaber fights in the Olympics. According to Serge Abayi, and I'm really sorry, Serge, if I did not pronounce your name correctly... The and he then Serge is the Secretary General of the French Fencing Federation. Woo, that's a lot of apps there. He said, with young people today, it's a real public health issue. It's becoming difficult to persuade them to do a sport that has no connection with getting out of the sofa and playing with one's thumbs. That's why we're trying to create a bond between our discipline and modern technologies. So participating in sport feels natural. That's dope. I love that. You know, the, the the French can sometimes be thought to be traditional and focused on maintaining certain values, maintaining certain expectations, but I think this is really dope and this is really open-minded. Welcome to the fucking I'm Open podcast. Hello. 
to open their doors, to open their minds to lightsaber fencing as a sport. Now, when he says plays with their thumbs, I don't, yeah, I mean, I don't think he just means they're like twiddling their thumbs or playing uh, thumb war or something like that. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's referring to playing video games. So I see what he means. A lot of people are into the fantasy stuff, anime, Star Wars, sci-fi. So if kids are into video games, he's thinking maybe they can use that as a gateway to actually being into real games, real sports that actually require them to move their bodies and break a little bit of a sweat. Now, this isn't just some fancy Nancy fantasy stuff. This is actually real scoring. There's a system where you get five points if you hit them in the head, three points if you get them on the arms or legs, and one point if you get them on the hands. The first one to 15 points wins. And there's three minute rounds. Don't worry, the competitors will be wearing masks and body armor, so they won't be getting hurt when they get hit by a lightsaber in the head. And yes, the lightsabers will actually glow in the dark, like neon, so they're going to have to compete in a sort of semi-dim, dark environment, so the glowing lightsabers can really stand out and shine. This is going to be so awesome, I cannot wait to actually see this in the Olympics. Even an organizer of a French tournament uh, of, of fencing, of uh, lightsaber fencing or lightsaber dueling, excuse me, which has already been going on, said that he wanted to make an environment, create a setup where it actually did look like the movies. That's why it's dark. That's why the lightsabers actually do glow. And that's why lightsaber... We're going to have to figure out the name of, of these... I guess, do we call them fencers? Do we call them lightsaberers? Lightsaberists? Athletes? Lightsaber athletes? I, they can choose, like, do they want the double-bladed double uh, lightsaber? Do they want the single-bladed? What color they want? It's legit like the movies. Obviously, they can't both have the same color. But I cannot wait to see this in the Olympics. I think maybe we should put it in the Winter Olympics just because the Winter Olympics could always use a little something to spice it up. And I'm so excited for this to happen for real. I'm so excited for the American Fencing Federation to accept this um, as a part of fencing here in the United States. And I'm just really excited for the future of all sports when you consider the open-mindedness the open-mindedness displayed by the French Fencing Federation to find different ways to adapt their sports and accept new forms of the sport that are exciting for new people, that bring in new people and that make it more inclusive, that make it more fun. And they make it more entertaining. So this just really makes me excited for the future of sports and just how people are being creative with sports, with competition. And I'm really, really excited about this. And I cannot wait to see the first gold medalist in lightsaber fencing for the Olympics. There is hope. The International Fencing Federation has said they will keep an eye on how the saber, lightsaber fencing progresses. And one of their officials said, We are always watching new trends in swordplay, and we are interested in observing the development and adoption of it in the French Fencing Federation. Wow, I know you, I'm hoping family, must just be impressed by how many times I have been able to say French Fencing Federation over and over again to say French Fencing Federation without slipping over my tongue to just be able to say French Fencing Federation. And I, I would challenge you to try to say it this many times. French Fencing Federation, it takes skill, it takes talent, it takes focus, and it takes commitment to the task at hand. And I'm doing that for you because I love you, I'm open family. That's the way my tongue works. 
Okay, that's the way it fucking works. I'm doing it for you, and I'm working hard for you. French Fencing Federation. I'll say it again, and I'll say it again, because I can, okay? Now, when I just mentioned swordplay, that's not the kind of swordplay you're thinking of. I think that's, that's, that's something different. If you're into that type of swordplay, you might want to... Don't, don't, don't ask the French Fencing Federation. Ask somebody else. Because the French Fencing Federation doesn't want to know about the swordplay you're talking about, where you dress up and game... I, 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 I don't want to know if you think you're Targaryen, or whatever Game of Thrones dragon you think you are with your swordplay, with your chain mail and shit. That's, that's different. Let me just clarify. That is very different. And uh, So when he says they're playing with their thumbs, we're keeping an eye on their swordplay, the French Fencing Federation, the whole International F F Fencing Federation, they got to watch their back a little bit with the way they're, they got to watch their mouth a little bit just with the way they're phrasing these things. Sometimes it just makes you w wonder exactly what, what they're going for here. But I, I appreciate their open-mindedness and, you know, for all of, the, of you guys who perked up when I mentioned swordplay, uh, I'm pretty sure that that's for a different podcast that I, I mean, you can go ahead and listen to that as well. No hate here on any podcast, but um, that's not the type of swordplay I am talking about. family it is time to acknowledge our birthday boy of the day uh and this could be a birthday boy or birthday girl just depending on the day that we record the show uh and that's our chance to just acknowledge somebody who's having their special day on that day so today it is april 2nd 2019 and our birthday boy of the day is pascal siakam now Pascal is a forward for the Toronto Raptors. He's a basketball player, and he is having an incredible breakout season. As a prospect, Pascal wasn't super duper highly regarded. I mean, he is six foot nine. He is a really great athlete, but he went to New Mexico State, so no hate there. I mean, I'm sure they have great times out there, but it's just not one of these primetime programs like Kentucky or Duke or Michigan State or, you know, UCLA or whatever that you hear about or that you hear about a lot of top prospects going to. So, I mean, let's just say he, he definitely was not getting paid by Adidas or Nike to attend the school. But I mean, I guess he might, you never know. You never know. I don't know. As at this point, anybody could be getting paid in college sports. So I don't want to assume that he definitely wasn't. But that doesn't matter right now because we're here to celebrate his birthday. And Pascal has a really awesome story and a really interesting life and a really interesting path to where he is now, where I believe he should win the most improved player of the year award in the NBA. That's a really cool award they have, most improved player every year for somebody who um, is really popping off and playing way better. Uh, this year, he's averaging almost 17 points to go along with about seven rebounds. He's been awesome and three assists a game. He's been super awesome. Before this season, he's never averaged more than eight points a game. So he's really popping off and contribute to, contributing to his team in a huge way. Um, I'm sure his team, and I'm sure he's very proud of his progress. He was actually born in Cameroon. And 
He was the youngest of four brothers. His father was actually the mayor of Makenene. And I'm sorry if I said that wrong, but that was a town in Cameroon where he grew up. And his father was the mayor there. So his family had a pretty high profile. And Pascal, actually, what his family wanted for him growing up was to be a priest. So they really were putting a lot of pressure on him, a lot of focus on his education and on his preparing through his youth to become a priest. So he was a superstar in the classroom and I guess probably in the church as well before he was really a superstar on the court. At age 11, they sent him to an institution where he could start training for priesthood. But by the age of 15, he sort of started to change his mind and realize that wasn't really what he was passionate about and that really wasn't what he wanted to do with his life. There's another Cameroonian uh, NBA player right now. His name is Luke Richard Mbamute. He played for the UCLA Bruins. He had a great career there and he's had a great long career in the NBA. Luke actually discovered Pascal at a camp, at a basketball camp, when Pascal was just a teenager. And at the time, Pascal wasn't really interested in pursuing basketball as a career. It was He liked it. It was something he did for fun. But even though his older brothers had gone to play basketball in college, it wasn't really something that was super on his radar. But when he met Luke Richard and Bamute, Luke really encouraged him to keep up with basketball and focus on basketball. And he, he was invited to the Basketball Without Borders camp, which is a great camp and a great thing that the NBA does to promote basketball around the world and have these Basketball Without Border camps to help train uh, and just get to meet, get to scout, and just provide exposure and great coaching to top-level basketball players or just very talented basketball players who are outside of the U.S. or maybe in areas just that don't necessarily have a lot of resources to help them play basketball and develop their skills at a high level. Even back then, at the Basketball Without Borders camp, Masai Ujiri, who is the general manager of the Toronto Raptors, remembers seeing Pascal and remembers how hard he was working. He was working his ass off the whole camp. And he still remembers seeing him as a teenager. And it's awesome how years later, he went to New Mexico State. Toronto drafted him, but he just didn't go straight to the Toronto Raptors because they started him off on their minor league team, their G League team called Raptors 905. And he eventually was able to lead that team to the minor league championship. This year, Pascal, like I mentioned, is having an awesome season, and he's adding to his hardware that he's already building up. He was a G League, well, at that time it was called the D League, but basically minor league basketball champion, and he was also the Western Athletic Conference Player of the Year while he was at New Mexico State when he averaged 20 points, almost 12 rebounds, and two blocks a game. He was kicking ass and taking names at New Mexico State for the Aggies especially with Instagram, with all these different trainers and all these different aggregators, Instagram sites, internet sites, posting like eighth graders, ninth graders, five-year-olds crossing each other up, people dunking, LeBron James, eight-year-old son playing travel basketball. A lot of these guys who come into the NBA these days are famous from the time they're really young kids. When you think of Marvin Bagley, who's now just a rookie on the Sacramento Kings, I've been hearing about Marvin Bagley for years and years, like ever since he was like 10 or 12 years old. 
Same thing with Jaleel Okafor. Same thing with RJ Barrett. Same thing with Ben Simmons. A lot of these guys now are so exposed and a lot of them have, have fathers who are in the NBA or they're on the AAU circuit. And we know about them from the time they're in like fifth grade and we're already expecting them to be in the NBA. So it's really awesome to see a story like this one with Pascal Siakam where people didn't really know who the guy was and he worked his butt off and that was what stood out about him even as a young man, even as a 15 or 16 year old, his effort was what stood out. The fact that he wanted it more than anyone else in that Basketball Without Borders camp, that was what stood out and that's what set him apart and that's what's carrying him to the top now and that's what's making him such an awesome contributor for the Toronto Raptors and I think is going to get him the most improved player of the year award whether he wins the award or not the award's just an award it doesn't really matter he's going to make a lot of money regardless as soon as his contract is up this man is going to make a shitload of money he's got the bag secured either way but happy birthday Pascal and I know you've made it this far you're going to keep on going and you're going to keep on growing happy birthday buddy is here and that means that baseball season is back and that's basically how I feel about it I should have said it like this baseball season is back that's about how excited I actually this is about how excited I feel about it baseball season is back that's my excitement level that's my exact excitement level now oh my gosh i know all these people hurt oh my god bryce harper moved teams oh my god oh my gosh look let's be honest baseball they play about 200 games a year okay bryce harper is a douchebag i'm not going to talk about bryce harper he's obviously a douchebag he used a whole fucking tube of hair gel every time he plays and they can't even see your hair Bryce because you're wearing a hat but still he has to go over to the side every time take his hat off so people can see how shiny his hair product is like just come on come on we don't we don't care we don't care it's exciting good for you guys all these baseball players are signing 300 400 million dollar contracts that are going to last them for 15 years congratulations to them go get your money I honestly really could not care less I used to love, love, love baseball as a young man. I used to have like people's stats memorized and know I could tell you exactly who would be starting in every single position, who would be batting first through ninth, what their RBIs were, how many, uh, how many hits they had, how many home runs they had, what their batting average was, what their strengths and weaknesses were, who if they were better against lefties and righties, whatever. I used to know all that stuff, but over time, I've kind of lost my interest and baseball I don't it's not that I think necessarily baseball is less exciting than it used to be maybe I've just realized more as I've gotten older and more mature and wiser and okay you know I'm up in family you're allowed to be mad at me if you like baseball that's okay you're allowed to be mad at me for slandering baseball it's okay we can get mad at each other sometimes and it doesn't mean that we don't love each other it's just boring it's just boring to me. I love, look, look, here's one thing I will say. I love going to baseball games. You get to sit outside, you get to enjoy some 
popcorn. You get to shout and high five with strangers and just dun 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 dun. You know, just a different feeling of being outside at a baseball game, eating peanuts, eating popcorn, drinking beers outside. It's like being at a big gold barbecue with like 20,000 people. And you don't really have to pay attention to the whole game. It just You can kind of just chat with your friends or the people around you. And then when everybody starts shouting, that's kind of the, the lesson that you have, That's kind of the sign that you have to look back and watch the field. To baseball fans out there, like I said, I'm sorry. This is just the way I feel. You're allowed to be mad at me. But, you know, we can still love each other and, and get mad at each other every once in a while. That's just life. That's just the way relationships are. And we're still I'm open family. But I know a lot of American sports fans, when you bring up soccer they're always like soccer so boring what am i supposed to do watch a whole 90 minutes and they only score one goal you only score two goals yeah i mean that is the way it works but i mean with soccer they're running around the whole time they're playing the whole time there's not timeouts there's not commercials there is a halftime but they're playing the whole game 90 minutes of action Even if there's not a goal every single second, people are still playing the game. Whereas baseball, if you're watching the game, 75 to 95% of the game is just everyone standing around. People chewing gum, spitting, chewing sunflower seeds, scratching their balls, talking to each other, holding their gloves up in front of their face to talk to each other so we can't see what they're talking about, chatting in the dugout, doing silly celebrations. I mean, I'm glad they're having fun and they find ways to entertain themselves, but when you're watching baseball, most of the time you're not even watching anything. And and a lot of these games end up being whatever, three to one. So you might just see all the scoring at one moment. I've gone to baseball games where I literally went to the restroom and missed the only home run of the game or the only scoring of the game. And that's how quick it is. Oh, yeah. The same thing could happen for soccer. The same thing could happen for football or hockey or any sport. I'm just saying this to make a point that if you are a baseball fan, you are, you are not allowed to make fun of soccer. You're not allowed to say soccer is boring because there's no way you could say that soccer is more boring than baseball. Okay, it's just not. Soccer, at least something is happening the whole time. Unless you love watching dudes pick at their protective cup or, uh, I don't even know, just share sunflower seeds and pass them around or pack a big old fat lip of chewing tobacco. I don't see, I don't see how baseball is that much more entertaining than soccer. I don't really get it. And I know, oh, there's the strategy to it. There's, oh, are they going to steal the base? Are they going to pitch to this guy? Are they going to give him an inside pitch or an outside pitch? I know there's strategy to it. But if you don't think there's strategy to soccer too, then you're just not giving it enough credit and you probably just don't understand the way it works because there's strategy to every sport so yes baseball is boring and baseball fans this is your official cease and desist i'm telling you right now you're no longer allowed to say any other sport is boring if you enjoy baseball i'm not saying you're not allowed to enjoy baseball enjoy what you enjoy one thing that frustrates me about america in 2019 and the world what i think we're, we're the worst here in america is that If somebody likes something that you don't like, a lot of people take that as an excuse to, like, hate them or get mad at them. You know, like, oh, you don't like baseball? Well, fuck you. Oh, you don't like the chain smokers? Well, you can go fuck yourself. You don't like to eat at Chipotle? Well, why don't you go jump in front of a freaking truck? You, okay. Why, 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 why are we, why do we get that way? Why do we get that way? Okay. There's things I don't really like. I don't really like to eat sweet potatoes. 
just not my not my cup of tea, not my cup of sweet potatoes. That's okay. It's not a big deal. It's just not my favorite. I'll eat a sweet potato fry here and there, but I'll definitely order just regular old normal non-sweet potato fries if if it's an option. But I'm not a huge fan, but I don't hate people who like sweet potatoes. It's okay. Like, you're allowed to like sweet potatoes, and I'm allowed to not like sweet potatoes. You're allowed to like chain smokers, and I'm allowed to, you know, not really like chain smokers, but just hum along to their songs anyway because I think they're catchy, but hate myself for it. Right? So we're allowed to like different stuff. That's the beautiful thing about being a human and living in the 21st century as we are right now. It's like there's a lot of different options, and we're allowed to like different stuff. It's the same where these, a lot of times older folks or sometimes just younger folks who think they're wiser than their years are like, real hip-hop only. Fuck these young mumble rappers. That shit's stupid. It's like, okay, like, you don't have to listen to whatever you might quote-unquote describe as mumble rap. You know, that doesn't mean you don't have to hate everybody who likes it. People don't have to like the same stuff as you. It's actually better if people don't like the same stuff as you. If everybody wants to go to the Wu-Tang concert, there won't be enough tickets for you to go to the Wu-Tang concert. Just leave it at that. You can go to the Wu-Tang concert. Other people can go to the, to the Little Yachty concert, and you don't have to worry about it. You can all enjoy what you enjoy. So, you know, keep enjoying baseball. Live it up. Have fun with your baseball. Congratulations to all the baseball fans that baseball season is back. And I hope you guys have a great season. Enjoy it. And go Nats and go Yankees. Those are my squads. But um, I'm not sure how exactly they've been doing so far. But you guys can give me updates. I hope they've been doing well. And if they win, um, I'll be happy about that. Those are my squads. But I'm not I'm not going to be watching every single game of the 400 games they have every season sitting on the edge of my chair. Like it really, you know, it's just not that, it's not that, (laughs) it's not that big of an impact moment. But luckily for all of us, for me and for baseball fans out there, this is something we can all agree on. And a fellow by the name of Elvis Andrews, who plays for the Texas Rangers, really found an awesome way to make baseball more exciting and to make me excited about baseball season. Other than the beer... Other than the popcorn, other than sitting outside on a beautiful day, one of the best and most recognizable parts of a baseball game are the walk-up songs, the walk-up music. And usually, everybody either walks up to something like this. Little country angel, like you never seen. Took a pair of scissors to a pair of jeans. You pick her up on Friday. Or the, if you don't come up to something like that, then you probably are coming up to something like this. But Elvis did not come out to Jay Balvin, and he did not come out to Brad Paisley either. He actually came out to a song that is sweeping the nation, sweeping the world, actually sweeping the entire universe, and that is a song entitled Baby Shark. Now, I'm sure my I'm Open family out there has heard this banger by the name of Baby Shark, and Elvis really I thought basically um, almost every song had been picked had been used in the intro walk-up pre-at-bat song, but Elvis actually innovated and did something brand new. Now, who was this song dedicated to? It's the best answer. His son, Elvis Jr. He's almost two years old. He said, it's my boy's favorite song. And then, what did he do? 
he hit a home run. His very first at-bat of the season, he walked up to Baby Shark. The crowd loved it. People were chuckling. People were filming and selfing themselves and really enjoying the song. As soon as he came up, whammo, home run right away. So I'm super excited for Elvis Andrews for the rest of the season. I have already put a hefty sum of money down on him as MVP because even if he's not the most valuable player, he's definitely already the most valuable parent for letting his baby boy choose his song. That is so dope. I'm sure he's going to hit a home run every single time that he comes up to Baby Shark, so that might be about 300 home runs in the season, which would even break Barry Bonds' steroids record by about 200 or so home runs. So, this is so exciting. This actually might be one reason for me to watch baseball, and if they had some sort of special cam or special channel where I could only watch Elvis Andrews' at-bats or only watch him coming up to, to Baby Shark and then just whooping on dudes uh, with the power of his son and his family behind him, maybe that would be some type of baseball that I would actually be more interested in watching. Um, But thank you, Elvis, for giving us a reason to care about baseball. And thank you just for being such a dope dad and not being ashamed for having a baby song. Because, look, first of all, it's not a baby song. A lot of people who aren't babies like the song. It goes. The song goes. But I just think it's dope that he's proud of being a dad. He's proud of loving his family. And it's not soft. It's strong. It's actually super strong. It's actually super cool. It's actually super dope that he's repping for his family like this and that he's repping for his baby boy, Elvis Jr., like this. So you already know, I'm Open Family. will be rooting for Elvis Andrews, baseball fans or not, in the I'm Open Family. I think we can all agree, Elvis Andrews is the dude. Welcome, Elvis, to the I'm Open Family, and we're rooting for you, Daddy Shark. As everyone in the I'm Open family already knows, there's something that we have to do every single time on this podcast before we say goodbye, and that is to acknowledge our Mask Off Performer of the Week. Now, this can be for something that has happened on the court or on the field of play, or it could be in recognition of something that's happened off the court in someone's personal life, in someone's social life, in someone's business life. This award or this recognition doesn't mean necessarily good. It doesn't mean you're bad. We've had some sort of shameful mask-off recognitions. We've had some very positive mask-off recognitions. So more than anything, mask-off just means that this person has taken their mask off and revealed something new about themselves this week that we didn't know before. Of course, this segment is dedicated to the one and only F-U-T-U-R-E, Future. Thank you so much, Future. Mask on, fuck it, mask on. Mask on, fuck it, mask on. This week, our mask off performer is Lonzo Ball. Now... Many of you guys have probably heard of Lonzo Ball, thanks to his dad shouting about him every single day. Thanks to his big baller brand, Shoes, which he made waves for, for being the first prospect to not sign with Nike, not sign with Adidas, or Reebok, or New Balance, or any other shoe company. He signed with 
himself, basically, or with his dad, with Big Baller Brand, with his own shoes. And he also has a show on Facebook, or uh, Facebook Watch, or whatever Facebook calls it with their new show thing called Ball in the Family, where they follow him and his two younger brothers, Mellow and Jello. We have talked many, a, many a time about his middle brother, Jello, who is sort of the forgotten ball, but he's our personal favorite ball here on the I'm Open podcast. And now we're talking about Lonzo, the oldest of the brothers, because he has covered up his BBB tattoo. Now, BBB stands for Big Baller Brand. And he had a tattoo on his forearm with the logo of the brand, BBB. But he has covered that tattoo up. And this is sending shockwaves across the internet and across the world. No one can believe that Lonzo covered up his tattoo. Now, he covered up his tattoo with some dice that really look freaky. The, the dice look like they're melting. Honestly, they one of them looks like a pentagon and the other one looks like a diamond. They look like the type of dice where if you roll them, they're probably get stuck on the same number every time or they just might not even roll at all. Or they might give you a splinter. I mean, the dice are not normal dice that I have seen. You definitely cannot play Snappa with these dice. You definitely cannot play uh, Monopoly or any sort of traditional dice game with these dice on Lonzo's arm because there's some freaky looking dice. But I understand he had to kind of make a shape with the dice or his tattoo artist did that would cover up the bb and b so that's why they're kind of misshapen sad looking deformed dice because he had to kind of work with what he already had to cover up his previous tattoo to get such an ugly weird looking tattoo you know he's serious you know it's really important to him. I mean, he's willing to have a, a really hideous tattoo that doesn't really make sense. And it's even though you know it's supposed to be dice, immediately even like a small child would be like, that's not, even I can draw better dice than that. That's not really how dice look. Dice are cubes. You know he's really serious about it. And you know he is not playing games if he's willing to get a really corny looking ugly tattoo just to cover up his prior tattoo. Now, what's the backstory here, and why is he covering up this tattoo? Well, a co-founder of Big Baller Brand named Alan Foster, who is a great friend and a longtime friend, or should I say was a great friend, a longtime friend of LeVar Ball, his father, and the father of the ball, the three ball boys. Mr. Foster, allegedly, was supposed to be accountable for roughly a million and a half dollars, and at this point, nobody knows where it is. Nobody knows where that money went. So as they were doing their financial review of the company, they realized, hey, we got some money missing. So in that time, since this has been revealed, Lonzo has, for the moment, cut his affiliation with the Big Baller brand in public. According to Lonzo, he said, Foster has used his access to my business and personal finances to enrich himself. Yeah, exactly. That seems like it's what's going on. Lonzo himself owns... 51% of the Big Baller brand, but he just posted last week a photo of himself wearing Nike, which is another brand which he did not sign with, and he's saying that he's on to bigger and better things. Now, is it bigger than the Big Baller brand? Is that what he means? Is this a little wordplay here? Not swordplay, wordplay. Uh, maybe. It might be. And now people are wondering, is Lonzo leaving? Is Lonzo leaving the big baller brand? Is Lonzo maybe trying to sever ties with his father? Because, you know, Mr. Foster, who's the one who, who kind of misplaced or who knows where he put the money, is the one who is really, really close with LeVar, Lonzo's dad. So is he losing trust in his father? That's what people are starting to wonder. LeVar, the father, he did come back. 
and he said he supports Lonzo's choice. He said, I've always believed in the best people. Regretfully, I put my complete trust in Alan Foster to manage my son's business affairs. At the end of the day, family come first, and I support Zoe wholeheartedly. Together, we will make this right. Lonzo's manager, Darren Moore, who appeared in the Big Baller Brand video, music video that uh, Lonzo came out with uh, along with Jello and Mellow a while ago. He's the one on the video who says, get your merch, get your merch. And so it's a little ironic that he just posted a video of himself actually throwing away his Big Baller Brand merch. And he is very close with Lonzo. He is Lonzo's manager. And he is dumping his Big Baller Brand merch. That doesn't mean he hates Lonzo. That means he is not trusting big baller brand and he thinks it might be corrupting Lonzo. He might he thinks that they might not be helping Lonzo as much as they're hurting Lonzo. When asked about the tattoo, when asked about the goings on with his brand, with his family, LeVar, he was actually saying that he understands why Lonzo covered the tattoo. He's not mad at it. He said that everyone was so mad when they found out that Alan Foster had misplaced or stolen or, you know, whatever he did with the money, that he said, look, Big Brawler Brand is going to be over. BBB is done. So he said in that moment, Lonzo went, covered up the tattoo. He then, by he, I mean LeVar, then later decided, well, I'm not going to shut down the whole brand. I'll just kick this other guy, Alan Foster, out of the brand, but we can actually keep the brand going. But it was too late. Lonzo had already covered up his tattoo. I mean, who knows? LeVar knows how to spin a tail. Maybe he's being honest with this one that Lonzo thought his dad was going to cancel the company. So he said, let me hurry up and cancel my tattoo as well. Who knows? Maybe that is the case. But it seems like it was a very quick tattoo appointment that like immediately after they had this discussion, Lonzo went right away, got his tattoo covered with some ugly ass dice. And then his dad was like, oh, never mind. We are going to keep Big Baller Brand. But too late, Lonzo already covered his tattoo. So I'm sure we were we will still have some more facts coming out. We'll still be learning new information about this whole situation because when asked if Lonzo was going to stay with the Big Baller brand or if there were rumors that maybe he might sign with Nike, he might sign with Adidas or another more established shoe company, LeVar said, I don't know. You're going to have to ask him. So we've never seen LeVar say, I don't know before. Usually LeVar always knows exactly how he feels, he knows exactly, he knew Lonzo was going to be a Laker when Lonzo was like 12 years old. He knew all of his boys were going to play together for the Lakers and win 100 championships. But now he's saying, I don't know, which is something shocking to me. And I'm sure shocking to everyone who's been following the whole saga of the Ball family. So this might be a little bit of a concern for the big baller brand. He doesn't know if Lonzo's going to be back. He said, you'll have to ask him. But Congrats to Lonzo, and this is why I'm giving the mask off to Lonzo, and this is a positive mask off this week, despite all of this drama, all of this craziness going on with the Big Baller brand. This is a positive mask off to Lonzo, because I'm proud of him. He's actually standing up for himself as a man, as an individual, as an adult, and saying, I don't trust this person. Obviously, he was not handling his money in the right way, and he's going to take control of his own situation. He's going to decide. His dad's not going to decide. His dad's friends aren't going to decide. Nobody else is going to decide other than him and people around him who he really trusts and he knows have his best interest at mind. Those are the people who are going to decide what Lonzo will do with his career, what Lonzo will do with his business interests. And the fact that LaVar said, I don't know what's going to happen. You'll have to ask Lonzo. It was such a small statement, but it meant so much because it means 
Lonzo's the one now. Lonzo is taking the reins of his own sleigh, as it were. Or I guess what what else has reins? A horse. Uh, or a or a dog, a, a dog uh, sled, but whatever vehicle Lonzo is using with reins, he took him, and that's what I'm happy about for Lonzo. I'm proud of him. I think this is a big step forward for him, and I know we're all curious to see what he actually does next. What actually happens to the big baller brand next? So, congratulations to Lonzo for winning our Mask Off Performer of the Week. Thanks again for listening to I'm Open Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, give us a rating, and tell your friends to listen to the show. Now you can follow us on Instagram at I'm Open underscore pod for awesome sports content every single day and a chance to have your very own I'm Open Podcast hat. Everybody, have a great night and don't forget to stay open. Thank you.